A world exists beyond that mundane little life that you live in. A world where intelligence is worshipped and pilots are God. A world filled with biotechnology that can save lives or end them. A war is brewing beneath the surface of everything you understand to be real. Ours is a tale of revenge, love, and desperate ambition. Will you come with us? I see you standing there Straight in an arrogant sweat I wouldn't give to tell you Welcome to Episode 8 of Interface, The Creator's Champion. We're your hosts, Ellie Popov and Charles Jazz Terrier. Well, listener, what are we waiting for? Tango waves around your neck will hang you out to dry. Tango waves around your neck will hang you out to dry. The confines of the room were tighter than her last, claustrophobic even. There was barely enough space for her case of medical supplies and tech devices that sat piled on top of another in every available inch. The rest of it was taken up by her makeshift trundle bed and an unpacked suitcase and a side table that hosted a camper lamp. Frey sat on the floor of the room in the dark, with her back pressed up against the cold wall. As she stared off into the blackness around her, she absently traced the outline of the panda tattoo on her wrist. Frey couldn't deny that there had been some truth to what Jasper had practically shouted at her, as much as she hated hearing it. But to use panda against her? His memory was sacred to both of them. Frey wasn't sure how much of that she could forgive. The resentment evident in Jasper's words, too, had been a shock and a trigger for Frey. She supposed she'd never looked at the procedure that herself and the AFO had used on Jasper as anything other than a gift of life, a second chance, an opportunity. She hadn't realized that that gift to a dying man was like a double-edged sword. She hadn't taken into consideration the long-term emotional consequences, hadn't realized that for Jasper, it made up part of his sacrifice for their mission. And when she'd mentioned Tempest, Frey knew she'd crossed a line there also. But after Wyatt's infiltration, after dragging Panda and one of their most intimate moments up right in front of her like some wanky parade of look what I can do, she couldn't stand the idea of bringing him back into the fold of her team, presenting him to the circuit games as her chosen champion. Jasper had to push and push, A shadow darker than the night about her cut through the path of air she was staring unwaveringly through, and as Frey's eyes focused, she realized the shadow was Isaiah. Slowly, he crouched down before her, taking up her entire line of sight with his muscled body and thick wave of long, dreadlocked black hair. A touch on Frey's cheek. Isaiah's hand cupped her face, caressed it with a stroke of his thumb. Frey looked up in shock, meeting his dark brown eyes with her own. Well, Frey breathed, aren't you just full of surprises? Isaiah smiled softly and retreated his hand. He stood up and extended the same hand to her. Frey clasped onto his solid fingers and Isaiah raised her to her feet. Jasper sat upright on his bed, back pushed against the cold concrete wall as he clutched an old worn photograph in one hand and a bottle of half-empty whiskey in the other. Beneath his body, Jasper's trundle bed was perfectly made, a duffel bag zipped up tidily and perfectly placed on the foot of his bed, his boots unlaced and placed neatly next to the other by the room's door, a complete contradiction to the chaos of whiskey and vodka bottles that littered the floor by his bed and across his bedside. Jasper eyed the photograph for a long moment, studying the faces of his fallen comrades, those who were not chosen for Frey's gift, besides himself and Panda. In the picture, Panda wore a brilliant smile. Jasper's own was devilish, and around them their friends laughed and poked fun at each other. Jasper remembered that day well. 
Jasper and Panda were on a small rural base in Iraq, on the outskirts of the border. They'd been situated with the same brothers in arms for ten weeks, helping to control the activist rebellion soldiers passing through the small villages in their jurisdiction. It was the charge of their team to protect the civilians against attacks, to stop the looting of local villages and the theft of women and children. The photograph had been taken on Jasper's last day at base. Panda, himself and a portion of other soldiers had received orders to head south and supply military support to a rebel attack that was getting out of hand. The men stranded on the southern base were locked in a siege with no way out, and supplies were running low. Their men picked off one by one if they stressed even an arm too far out of base. Jasper loaded his men into the Black Hawk helicopter. They'd taken the photo right before liftoff. He took a large swig of whiskey, relishing as the liquid scolded his throat with a deep burn. Jasper's head spun, and he struggled to steady himself. The bed felt like it was propped up by a sea of small, rolling waves. He put a hand down to help control his balance, but instead of meeting with the soft cotton of cheap sheets, Jasper found his hand closing on Panda's graphic novel. Jasper sighed and kicked at the glass alcohol bottles by his feet, listening with satisfaction as they clashed together. A knock sounded at Jasper's door, and Fergus entered without waiting for an invitation. He carried a cup of steaming tea with him. Jasper gave the man barely a glance before he returned haunted eyes back to the photograph of his deceased friends. Even now, though Jasper was isolated from everyone left in his previous life, Jasper was not entirely alone. But Pander and the others? They were dead, and he wasn't. And Jasper had no idea why, and what exactly he had to live for. Silent as a cat, Fergus padded over to him, settling on the bed beside Jasper. Jasper didn't protest as Fergus gently pulled the whiskey from Jasper's sloppy grip and replaced it with a cup of tea, keeping a careful eye on Jasper's ability to handle the hot liquid. After a moment, Jasper's head spinning overwhelmingly, he leaned his head on Fergus's shoulder, as gracious as a drunken man could be, as he let the darkness sweep the pain away. Sweat dripped from Frey's exposed flesh, and her face burned red as she laid where she'd landed hard by Panda's feet. Lucky that the padded gym mat was beneath her. If you could call this kind of brutality luck. Frey was in the training gym located on the lower level of the Armed Forces Organization headquarters, and at Julian's orders, Panda had been training her for hours, focusing on hand-to-hand -hand combat scenarios. Much to Frey's embarrassment, there hadn't been a lot of training going on, more so Panda whooping her ass over and over again. Frey's humiliation and bruised flesh were growing steadily by the second. Jesus, I don't know what I'm being punished for, Frey exclaimed between heavy breaths. Panda, his black workout singlet sticking to his warm brown skin, retained an unusual seriousness about him. Julian's not punishing you, he's trying to teach you. Get up. Frey refused to acknowledge Panda's words and remained on the floor despite Panda's urging. Panda normally joked with her, flirted with her even. Something at first she hadn't known how to deal with. Couldn't tell if she'd even liked it. Until she'd begun to like him. And then she'd known she was in trouble. But where was the man who'd read her the bad poetry? Teased her about her curly sex hair? Pushed her time and time again to play hooky with her responsibilities in the lab with Fergus to instead do something reckless with himself and Jasper? and the candid sexual innuendos that had started up when she'd taught Panda how to use a coding sequence to infiltrate foreign security systems. But it wasn't any of that cheeky, dry humour that had won Frey over. No, it was Panda's bravery, and the curve of his smile, the quickness of his mind, the kindness he professed for other humans when nobody in particular was looking, and his absolute determination to get the job done. A true soldier, fearless and steadfast. Frey could use the appearance of that man now. Instead, she had a brute who spoke down to her. What is that tone? I teach you how to infiltrate systems and all of a sudden you think you're better than me because you can hit harder? She pulled herself to her feet and prepared to go again. Without a tell, Frey threw a hit. Panda narrowly dodged it. Right now, I am better than you, Panda replied, taunting her. I hacked your system, didn't I? 
Frey circled Panda, looking for a weak defense. A drop of the hands in a man that was at least twice the size of her. Only because I hacked your brain and made some improvements, she threw back. You think you'd be that smart without my tech in your head? At that, Panda cracked his first smile all afternoon. But it was full of arrogance. Not the beautiful, carefree grin she'd come to yearn for. Maybe? Maybe not. He played with her, feigning right and swinging at her left. Frey only just slipped out of reach of Panda's batting. You've got tech in that head of yours too. It doesn't seem to be helping you land a hit. A surge of anger rose in Frey as she used it to pivot towards Panda, attempting to take him by the neck. Panda dodged and maneuvered her onto a chokehold. Frey wriggled in his grasp for a few moments. Twisting a multitude of ways, trying to slip from his grip, she stomped her heel deeply into his foot and tried to use a limb to deliver a blow to his genitals, but the effort was fruitless. When the black dots began to swim in Frey's vision, she tapped out. Panda let out a dark chuckle at her surrender. Angry eyes flashed up to meet Panda's. I've had enough of this power trip, Frey practically spat at Panda. She could feel the humiliation continue to rise in her face as Panda studied her with those big brown eyes. This is ridiculous. No, Frey, Panda countered. This is the reality of combat, so stop whining and hit me. Frey's body was exhausted, her eyes barely able to focus, yet she felt that anger seep through her blood at his words. One last crack at him. Maybe her fury would be enough to land a hit. Frey surged forward, but she stumbled as she lashed out at Panda. Effortlessly, Panda took her down, dropping her onto the mat and pinning her with a foot on her chest. He gazed down at her defeated, angry form. You are sloppy and full of hesitation, he reported to her, his voice as serious as a training sergeant to his soldier. You need to learn to go for what you want and stop hesitating. You need to think for the family. His foot still pinning Frey, he ordered, get up. Frey barely let Panda finish his tirade. You were an asshole, she shoved his foot off her chest. And you're hitting like a little bitch, he said watching her like a predator as Frey righted herself and moved back into fighter's stance. When she was set, he gestured with his hands for her to come hither. Come on. Fueled by Panda's abrasive attitude, Frey turned away from him before rounding in a flash and swinging, landing a hard blow to Panda's head. She then kicked his chest with her heel, knocking him to the ground. For the first time all afternoon, Panda's mouth turned up into a genuine smile. Good, Panda urged. Go for what you want. Hit me again. Frey's eyes roved over the man in front of her, at the blossoming black eye on the left side of his face. She stepped out of her stance defiantly. I don't want to hit you. The smile dropped from Panda's face. Well, you should. You hesitate out there and you die. Before Freya could so much as blink, Panda swept a foot behind the back of her knees. She landed hard on her back, skull bouncing from its collision with the mat beneath her. Frey struggled to catch her breath, winded painfully. Moving to get to her feet, Panda straddled Frey, keeping her pinned to the ground. Every nerve in Frey's body screamed at her to thrash, to throw the muscled asshole off. But Frey would not stoop so low. She knew there was no way she could throw him. His weight more than twice her own. She wouldn't embarrass herself by floundering around beneath his frame like an idiot. Instead, she demanded, What the hell is your problem? Panda's handsome, arrogant face, twisted into something Frey couldn't quite read, loomed down into her own. You are my problem. At that, Frey couldn't hold it in anymore. She struggled against his grip on her body. It's not my fault you got lumped in with me, she hissed. If you've got a problem with partnering, take it up with Julian and stop taking it out on me. Angry brown eyes bored down into Frey's own, igniting a fire painfully within her core. Above her, Panda spoke slowly, as if to spell his words out to her, as if she wouldn't be able to comprehend it otherwise. You know, 
For someone so smart, you really are acting quite stupid. Beneath him, Frey continued to struggle. She attempted to twist at the waist and throw a knee into his back. The latter did not work out. Jesus, you're a peach, aren't you? She tried not to pant between breaths. I'm so glad I saved you. I'm trying to save you! Panda shot at her impatiently and then sighed. Julian partnered us together after I requested it. Frey halted her struggles at his words. Her face arranged carefully, blank as a piece of white A4 paper. Underneath her skin, the fire inside her whirled through her blood, burning beneath the surface, not angry, not bursting from every inch of her, but an animalistic heat. Frey became very aware of Panda's weight on top of her, eyes raised to meet Panda's own. Frey studied his suddenly open face and waited for him to speak again. I go hard on you out there because they'll go harder. The front line is not a lab with protocols. It's a goddamn war zone where people die horrible and painful deaths. Panda paused and leaned in closer, his face twisting as he contemplated something. I want you to survive, he continued. I need you to survive. Still pinned to the mat, Frey struggled to decipher Panda's expression. Part of her expected it to be a joke. One more of his half-assed flirtatious attempts to pump up his own already inflated ego. But above her, Panda's gaze softened. Frey pushed a willing Panda from her body easily, the fight now gone from him. The two got to their feet as Panda opened his mouth to speak again. Frey kicked out with her foot, landing the two strong blows to Panda's chest. The man stumbled and Frey helped him into a spin, landing a third blow on his back. Panda faltered to the ground. We're done here, Frey said, her tone flat and hard. She turned on her heel and exited the training room. The chill of the dimly lit, grey-toned locker room caressed Frey's body, damp with sweat from the earlier session with Panda. She was the room's only occupant, standing solely amongst the rows of metal lockers projected with fingerprint security. The buzz of the electronics echoed, a little eerily in her ears, there but not there. Frey hovered over one of the basins, unwrapping the bandaging from her sore fingers and dropping the unraveled fabric into the sink. She eyed the flesh of her right hand, bruised and brazed about the knuckles, wincing as her flexed fingers cracked with a nasty popping sound. Her already unwrapped left hand swung out to twist the knob on the tap, and she lowered the damaged flesh beneath the ice-cold running water. The mirror directly before her painted the reflection of a woman who'd looked a hell of a lot better than she felt. The skin of Frey's face was flushed with a healthy pink glow, and her eyes were bright, the piercing grey of her irises glinting like a glacial crystal. Frey's lips, though absent of lipstick, were a rosy pink that complemented her deep olive skin tone. Frey marvelled at how getting her ass kicked all afternoon had somehow agreed with her. But as she pondered her appearance, she wondered, was it the exercise and rush of ensuing endorphins that had her glowing from the inside out? Or was it Panda's words? In her mind, she recounted his statement projected in her ears as loudly as if it were on top of her again, torso against torso. I need you to survive, he'd said. Did he mean it in the way she thought he did? The games... The flirtation, the blatant comments. She thought they'd been from the words of a carefree soldier. Careless words, from a man probably used to having any woman he wanted. The ache in the fingers of her right hand subsided as the cold of the water set into her flesh, and she turned the tap off. Pulling her shirt up over her head, Frey studied the bare skin of her chest, stomach, and back only partially concealed by the sports bra she'd worn beneath her black tank top. A fist-sized bruise was already purpling on her own lower abdomen, and a friction burn covered one of her shoulders. To her, Panda looked like a Hawaiian god, 
and together with Jasper, Frey had watched the two men play havoc with the yearning of hearts of the AFO's female members, and though Frey had found herself warming to Panda through her coding and hacking lessons, though she had woken often hot and bothered by dreams where Panda appeared shirtless and grinning that beautiful smile of his, Frey had never believed Panda to be a real option for her, not seriously. But the look on Panda's face when she had uttered those words, more serious than she'd ever seen him, like he was haunted by the idea of her safety, like this wasn't the game she believed it was, like she mattered to him. Freya took a deep breath. She had to know the truth. She glanced in the mirror one last time as if reassuring herself she'd made the right choice and headed for the male locker room next door, just meters away. Frey entered the male locker room swiftly and quietly, concerned she would lose her nerve and back out, reluctant to make her appearance so blatant. As she crept into the rectangular cavern that looked exactly as the one she'd just left, she arrived in time to see Panda emerge from the shower cubicle on the far side of the room. Sure that he was alone, she stepped out into the air, bare and glistening taking his time to reach for the towel hanging from the cubicle's edge. Panda's face was furrowed and serious, a mirror from the training session earlier. He moved about as he dried himself, partially turning and exposing his heavy, muscled back, naked except for the giant panda skull tattoo that spread across Panda's broad shoulders and down his mid-back. From the entrance, Frey continued to watch Panda as if with new eyes, studying his soft footsteps over to his locker, towel now wrapped firmly around his waist. A raise of his calloused hand allowed Panda to unlock the security system on his locker, and from the midst of its depths, he grabbed a tub of inflammatory gel. He closed the locker door gently and made his way over to the sink. As Panda rubbed a glob of the gel onto his own swollen hands, Frey stepped further into the room catching sight of her reflection in the mirror over Panda's shoulder. Sensing Frey's eyes on him, Panda raised his own to the reflective glass, meeting Frey's unreadable gaze with a mixture of curiosity and trepidation. He turned his large body to face her. Frey took a careful, measured step forward towards him. Come to take another cheap shot, Panda asked her, his tone flat, refusing to give anything away. Frey took another step towards Panda, her voice softening as she answered. Maybe. What do you want? Frey nodded towards the anti-inflammatory gel and raised a bruised hand into Panda's line of sight. I don't heal as fast as you do. Panda quirked a brow. What? You don't have tech for that? Frey swallowed the back chat that hovered on the tip of her tongue and instead offered Panda a smirk before turning on her heel and heading towards the exit. Panda was beside her in a flash. He took her cool hand in his large, warm one. Come here, he said, his voice husky and low. He led Frey over to the sink where the gel was set on the porcelain top. Gracefully, Panda dipped the index and middle finger of his right hand into the mixture, and still grasping Frey's hand gently with his left, he raised her bruised knuckles towards him. He began rubbing the gel in smooth, small circles over her skin. Inside her chest, Frey could feel her heartbeat quicken, and she fought the flush that she knew was threatening to cover her face. The slow circles on her hand had Frey's blood rushing, and her thoughts drifting to other places Panda's touch would feel that good. Panda raised his eyes to Frey's, searching, but Frey used every inch of her willpower still under control to give nothing away. If this was going to happen, Panda needed to take the lead. He needed to step up and be the man she needed him to be, not the playboy who ran around with Jasper. She whispered, Go for what you want, Panda. Panda's expression opened, though he still looked a little unsure. Are you going to hit me again if I do? The tiniest hint of amusement crept into Frey's closed face. Maybe. Without any further hesitation, Panda closed the gap between them, pressing his lips to Frey's softly. He 
He grasped her waist and drew her against the skin of his chest, still damp from the shower, and sucked in his breath as her breasts pushed up against him. Beneath the touch of his lips, Frey struggled not to tremble, the heat of her desire racing through her insides like a molten lava threatening to burst from the volcano of human flesh. But Frey kissed Panda back fiercely, marveling at how their lips fit perfectly together, wondering why they were only just doing this now. As their kiss deepened, Panda ran his hands over her upper body, grazing her hips and making his way up her waist and onto her breasts. Frey could feel her skin beg her to let Panda's hands have her, her own grasped onto Panda. She released him and attempted to pull her sports bra up and over her head. The panda took charge, removing the clothing swiftly and tossing it onto a corner. He pulled her back towards him as her nipples collided with the smoothness of his chest. They perked painfully, begging for more. Panda raised his hands and rubbed over them, feeling their weight as Frey let out an unconscious moan and arched towards him. When Frey felt Panda grin against her mouth, she pulled back and untucked the towel at his waist, exposing his member as the fabric slid to the concrete beneath them. There he stood, hard and wanting, a man in his prime ready to take her. Frey bit her lip in anticipation, wondering how he tasted. Panda grabbed at the workout tights that clung to her legs, and rolled the clinging material down her waist and over her arse. Obediently, Frey stepped out of each leg. Panda kissed up the naked skin, licking and biting her as he made his way towards her center. When he reached the triangle between her legs, he teased her apart and breathed on her slowly, enjoying another moan that escaped Frey's lips as his warm breath collided with her wetness. A tiny shudder moved through her body, and Panda tacked onto the end, dipping his tongue inside her, tasting her very essence. There he moved slowly, in and out, up and down, playing with the pressure he asserted down there. Frey began rocking against him, any thought of self-consciousness gone as her carnal instincts took over and she helped her body move towards bliss. When she felt herself right on the edge, Panda pulled away, kissing up her stomach and then onto her chest, carefully paying attention to one breast and then the other. He stood suddenly and lifted her onto the basin, like she weighed no more than a feather, placing her carefully down on the flat porcelain. He pulled her legs wide and settled between them. Frey opened to him with a need she'd never felt before. More than just desire, more than just hunger, her very core called to this man inside her. Frey pulled Panda close and grasped as his thickness entered her, finally joining them together. Wordlessly, Panda scanned Frey's face, looking for any sign of pain or uncertainness. But Frey had never been more certain of anything in her life. She clutched his flesh tighter, pulling him in deeper until there was nowhere else to go. And then they began to move. Slowly, slowly, they found their rhythm, their souls embracing with the joining of their flesh. And as they rocked together and their voices joined together in the melody of lovemaking, they reached their climax wrapped in each other's arms for the first time. Holy One. Jasper padded quietly down the hall the night soothing his own racing thoughts, allowing his mission to settle clearly in his mind. Now a little more sober, thanks to Fergus, he knew the team's only way forward was to bring back Wyatt, and the only way there was any chance of that happening was if Jasper made peace with Frey. The idea of apologizing to the woman after what she had said set off a mixture of pain and optimistic exhilaration that Jasper couldn't entirely comprehend or resolve within himself. Frey was a one of a kind, she was intelligent, courageous, loyal, and they made a great team. But the other side of her personality showed time and time again that Frey could be stubborn, one-sided, selfish, and lashed out when she was opposed, his kindred spirit. Freya would always be his Valkyrie, 
and true to legend, she had decided when he lived and when he died. Something that he would be forever grateful for, yet forever embittered. The life she had given him bound Jasper to her with an invisible tether. It had caused him to leave behind what was left of his friends and family. It had caused him to survive when others had needlessly died. It had caused him to lose Tempest and watch her transform into the cold, blatantly vicious queen of the circuit games that she now was. But with Frey, Jasper couldn't deny he had built a new family. She had used her tether to pull him into the armed forces organization and to give Jasper a purpose, which some would argue was more important than his time on the front lines as a soldier. He could serve his country, serve many countries, in a capacity that could truly change the world. When Panda had passed, Frey had bonded with Jasper like a sibling, unafraid to throw a swing amidst their debates, yet vulnerable enough to hold on to him for dear life when things fell to hell. She shared her laughs, her technology, and her loyalty with him, and together they had embarked on a journey to change the future, constructing the interface bid, the circuit games. Though Jasper knew he had struggled with how he and Frey had come together, how he detested her strong will and at times selfish personality, quite like his own, Jasper knew he understood Frey. He was utterly her soldier, and more than that, her family. And he never wanted to lose her. He wouldn't let either of their prides cause the loss of the interface bed. As Jasper rounded the corridor and entered the control room, he heard body parts thump against the punching bag and instantly knew it was Frey. The pounding was lighter than Isaiah's, but just as precise as she executed her combinations. When he caught sight of her, he could see that she pulled her hair back out of her face for concentration, and her face was bare, aside from a thick ring of smoky eyeliner that contoured her eyes, a feature she had taken to amidst her grief for Panda, her own little wall of armor against the world. Jasper stood in the doorway a moment longer, watching Frey face her demons until she slowed, fatigue creeping into her body. She stepped back to take her place beside Fergus, and Isaiah stepped forward to take over at the back. Jasper entered the room. He attempted to swagger, but as Frey's gaze flashed towards him, he shifted to a more sheepish strut. He stopped some distance from her, giving her the control to dictate their next move, hoping it would help her bring her wall down so they could talk. Instead, Frey ignored his presence and tapped Isaiah out from the bag, stepping forward to execute a round kick with impressive veracity. Frey was clearly not going to make this easy for him. Jasper threw a look over to Fergus, who waved him forward encouragingly. Jasper cleared his throat and raised his voice so as to be heard above the assault on the bag. How about a live round? Frey ceased her actions mid-combination and turned to face Jasper. Instead of answering him, she stared at him, expectation written all over her face. Jasper tried again. I'll give you a free shot. Anywhere but the nuts. From his back pocket, Jasper pulled out a water bottle and tossed it to Frey, who caught it with one hand. She eyed the bottle and then Jasper, as if contemplating whether or not she should peg the thing right back at his head. Eventually, she twisted the cap off and gulped down its contents. You always did suck at apologizing, she remarked, after she'd had her fill of the cool liquid. Jasper pulled air slowly into his body, feeling it fill his lungs to bursting point. Then he let the air out just as slowly before answering. Yeah, well, you get the idea. At his phrasing, Frey turned her back, clearly dissatisfied with the apology. Jasper shifted a little towards her and spoke again. Okay, okay, I know. Jasper paused, then mimicked Frey's British accent to drive his point across. Use your words, Jasper. Frey retained her back to Jasper and paced a little way across the room. Jasper balanced his weight, first on one foot and then on the other. Frey's ignorance at his attempted apology raised the ugly head of the resentful monster that hid within him. Her disrespect fed the monster's hungry belly, but he knew that he was being punished for his own earlier disrespect of Panda, a place he should have never taken their argument. Panda had been the love of Frey's life and a best friend to them both, and now he was gone. At least Tempest was still alive, despite the traitorous form she'd taken. I... am sorry, Jasper said slowly, realizing with every syllable just how much he meant it. How'd that taste, Frey questioned. Her back turned to him. Like ass? Finally, she faced him, 
and settled herself on the ground, leaning against the wall just behind her, making herself comfortable. She took another sip from the bottle and gestured for him to go on, looking as if she was starting to enjoy herself. Jesper felt a bristle sputter up in his chest at her antics, but kept to his path. He was sorry. He wanted to smooth things over between them. It's come to my attention that I crossed the line. Frey watched him blankly. And I'm a jerk. From behind, Jesper heard Fergus pointedly clear his throat, prodding Jesper along. He rolled his eyes and took another breath. And that makes me feel bad. Frey flashed a smile at the man behind Jasper, and when Jasper turned to face him, he could have sworn Fergus looked overly pleased that his advice and guidance had been adhered to. By the bag, Isaiah smirked. Because? Frey prompted, her voice drawing the word out tantalizingly. Inside, Jasper could feel himself losing patience with the situation, with Frey, who he could see was not even considering offering an apology of her own. Maybe Frey didn't think he deserved it. Maybe Frey couldn't see that the line she had crossed, too, was killing him. So Jasper stuck to the only truth he knew he could say out loud. Because I love you, okay? He said gruffly. Because I love your stupid ass and I miss him, too. Every single day. From the ground, Frey considered Jasper's words, turning them over slowly in her mind. That wasn't so hard, was it? Jasper watched Frey's darkly cold eyes decipher his very stance and caught the moment she really saw him. The wall came down and the hardness in her frame relaxed. For the first time in hours, it was just Frey and Jasper. Not Jasper, the nanite-filled mechanical soldier who needed to do what he was told, and Frey, the technological fairy godmother who dictated her way in all things. They were best friends. They were family. They were humans. Around Jasper, the room relaxed as both Fergus and Isaiah felt the change in energy between the two of them. Before the opportune moment was lost, Jasper spoke again, tackling the issue that had sparked the whole mess between them. Now can we please talk about the kid coming back? Frey sighed, her face starting to furrow in annoyance. Jasper, I, Fergus boldly stepped forward in the space between them. If I may speak as the objective party, Fergus asked eloquently waiting for Jasper and Frey to both nod their permission. When he got it, Fergus continued. Even though Jasper's methods were crass, I believe that his choice is correct. I've pulled up Wyatt's specs, and even in the simulations, his score is more high than any that have been recorded in the second round. I believe that, given another opportunity, Wyatt will kick ass, Jasper interjected. From the ground, Frey sighed again as she considered their options. Jasper could see that she was almost resolved. There really was no denying that Wyatt was the best choice. And now that some time had passed between Wyatt's little excursion to Frey's system, Jasper knew that Frey was intelligent enough to see that too. Frey's face relaxed as she mentally conceded to Fergus's appeal, and Jasper stepped forward offering a hand to help her to her feet. Frey took it, her grasp firm, but not overly so. A pissing contest between them no longer. If this all goes to hell, I'm blaming the both of you, Frey said, referring to himself and Fergus. Jasper quirked a brow. I think I can live with that. Jasper felt the smile fade from his face at Frey's words. Frey nodded to Isaiah, who pushed off from the wall. He had been resting upon and moved closer to them, Frey's indication that the conversation was over and they would return to training on the bag. He thought about how he would tackle Julian how the severe man's face would look when he would pitch the idea of returning Wyatt as their champion, that the interface bit depended on the kid that had choked. Lost in his thoughts, Jasper barely noticed that Isaiah and Frey had shifted so close to him. He caught the hastened look between them as Isaiah landed a hard punch in Jasper's gut, causing him to double over in pain. Isaiah's solid fists easily replicating the feel of being pounded in the abdomen by hard bricks of concrete. You didn't specify that they had had to come from me. Frey shrugged, amused. She patted Jasper playfully on the back before she and Isaiah exited the control room together. At his side, Fergus leaned down over a crumpled Jasper, his voice annoyingly upbeat as he remarked, I think that went very well. Jasper tried to breathe through the pain and focus on the fact that possibly, for the first time ever, he'd managed to convince Frey to trust his opinion over her own. She was entrusting their futures to an extent 
in his hands, and that took tactic and love. That was the battle worth winning. The faint smell of urine mixed with lemon-fresh disinfectant filled Wyatt's nostrils as he exited the cubicle in the men's bathroom at Lion Insurance and made his way over to the sink. He washed his hands methodically, twisting the tap on, rinsing his hands and applying pressure to the soap dispenser. He massaged the soap through his fingers and over his palms. One, two, three times and then he rinsed his skin clean. Swiftly, he twisted the tap back off to avoid water wastage. His lessons from primary school, an echo in his mind in remembrance of the greatest Australian drought the country had endured more than two decades ago. His actions exposed both of Wyatt's core problems. One, the need for Wyatt to stick to routine and participate in life in a logical and methodical manner. And two, Wyatt's inability to let anything go. Even the words of an aging, cranky primary school teacher who probably didn't actually give two fucks about the environment. Raising his eyes to meet his reflection, Wyatt became absorbed in the image of himself, his mind's eye flashing to the reflection he'd caught when he'd eyed himself in the bathroom mirror at the circuit games. Wyatt closed his eyes as the sound of cheers from the circuit filled his ears, rising in volume so loud it was deafening. His eyes snapped open and gripped the basin with shaking hands, the hands of an addict withdrawing from a substance. Visions of the circuits, crowd morphed into fray in Jasper's faces as the van door rolled closed when they'd abandoned him on the street front in the dead of the night. Wyatt could feel his breathing start to change into sharp, uncontrollable little breaths. His heartbeat sped uncomfortably high. A toilet flushed suddenly from the far end of the bathroom, shaking Wyatt from his rabbit hole of panic. A claw-like hand gripped onto Wyatt's shoulder. You're right, mate? Greg's voice hit Wyatt like a freight train plowing through his memories. The world he wanted back. Yeah, Wyatt cleared his throat. <clears throat> yeah, Greg, I'm fine. To Wyatt's annoyance, Greg switched his grip to an open palm, rubbing Wyatt's shoulder in some form of empathetic camaraderie. After a couple of seconds, Greg grimaced, realizing he had yet to wash his hands. Whoops, he ducked towards the sink. Wyatt tried his hardest to visibly withhold a shudder. He stood by as Greg lathered his hands thickly in foamy soap and rinsed them, hoping for a few more moments alone in the bathroom once Greg exited. Sorry about the show the other day, Greg continued conversationally, much to Wyatt's disappointment. Yeah, I saw you, you know, creeping out. He waggled a wet finger at Wyatt, shaking water at him. I bet you're not sorry, though, you sneaky dog. Got a good look, did you? Hey. Wyatt remained silent, not wanting to encourage Greg, who now had finished washing his hands, was flicking the water through the air before drying whatever remained on his pants. He turned a beaming smile on Wyatt. She's one naughty little girl, I'll tell you that much. She loved a little nibble of old Greggy. Wyatt struggled not to throw up in his mouth as he tried to push down the emerging image of Crystal with her head thrown back, Greg between her legs. She tastes pretty good, too. Greg eyed himself in the mirror, pleased with his appearance, and continued. If you know what I mean. He finished by flicking his tongue suggestively, thoroughly disgusting Wyatt who stiffened at the action. You know what, Greg? Wyatt started, but Greg looked up at him with a goofy smile and Wyatt lost his nerve. Greg, oblivious, didn't miss a beat. Look, mate, I actually need your help. Some jerk has hacked my dating profile, so can you use your nerdy crap to fix it for me. Wyatt was saved from answering Greg by the bell, or rather the bathroom door which opened to reveal a swish of loose dark hair and a well-pressed gray skirt suit. A woman, some years older than Wyatt, yet a well-preserved beauty with an intriguing glint around her slanted brown eyes and a hardness around her mouth, entered the men's bathroom without a care that she was trespassing into taboo territory. The woman caught sight of Greg and Wyatt and made a beeline straight towards them. Wyatt only had a moment to briefly wonder if she was another one of Greg's conquests tracking the fuckboy down before Greg spoke, putting an end to Wyatt's theory. Sorry, love. This is the men's. The woman quirked a tiny smile. I'm aware. The woman's voice was silky, lilting, almost musical. She looked between the two of them, eventually settling on Wyatt in his plain, blue button-up shirt and black slacks. I've come to talk to Wyatt. Greg turned to Wyatt, wiggling his eyebrows up and down knowingly, immediately jumping to the wrong conclusion. Well, he said, enjoy your conversation in Cougar Town. 
To Wyatt's surprise, Greg left the bathroom stat. He expected Greg to be more curious, perhaps offer himself up for a threesome, something more abhorrent than a quick exit. And then Wyatt realized, maybe Greg thought he was being a good wingman of sort. Or maybe he was waiting for them to get Randy before he came barging in with an iPhone switched on record. The woman stepped as delicately as a panther on her high-heeled black shoes as she made her way over to stand by Wyatt, who was still before the basin. He eyed her with a mixture of curiosity and trepidation. Who was this woman so desperate to speak to him that she'd stalked and cornered him in the men's bathroom? Could she be a client? No, he'd remember a face and a voice like that. He was sure this woman hadn't been here before. Was it possible she was a circuit groupie that had somehow tracked him down? Excuse me, but Wyatt started. Who am I and what am I doing in the men's room? Wyatt blinked at the woman's forwardness. Yeah, you'd know all that if you bothered to read my letters, she stated simply, the pitch of her voice rising ever so slightly with her mildly sarcastic tone. You really must get better at opening your mail, Wyatt. Wyatt stared at the woman, her opening statement putting him on defense. He waited for her to show her hand, and soon enough the woman produced a familiar white envelope and held it out for him. Wyatt took it from her outstretched hand carefully, as if he were handling a bomb. He glanced at the Crown Tech PTYLTD label on the back before opening it. What is this? he questioned. My letter to Hogwarts? The woman simply indicated for Wyatt to read the letter. He unfolded the single page carefully before scanning the contents, eyes widening further in surprise with every sentence. The bottom of the letter was signed off by someone called Thea. He made a guess that was the woman who stood before him now. This is a job offer, with an obscene starting salary. Wyatt tried to block out the hundred or so voices that attempted to scream their opinions in his head. For all Wyatt had tried to stick to one path and rejoin his team, rejoin Frey. He had fucked that up again. They would never take him back after last night, and Wyatt knew it. He knew that Frey would view the exhibition of her private life as an unforgivable betrayal, bigger even than him choking at the circuit. And here stood another woman, Thea, who could be his only key back to something more than his life at Lion Insurance? Wyatt's curiosity got the better of him. What the hell is Crown Tech? Thea looked at him quizzically as if he should know better than to ask that particular question. You've had our tech for a number of days, Wyatt, until you blew it up. Wyatt flushed at the implication. You gave your crazy headband to a psychopath. Thea tilted her head in consideration and grimaced. Not exactly. What does it do, exactly? Thea hesitated a fraction of a moment before answering. The crown alters the neurological patterning of the brain to suppress or enhance certain traits and abilities. She allowed herself a small smile, depending on the need. Wyatt considered the woman's words, suspicion creeping in. Sounds complex. If you have a team capable of developing stuff like that, why do you need me? He tossed his question at Thea like a challenge. Thea stepped closer to Wyatt, so close he could smell her exotic perfume, a combination of jasmine and something earthy like Cedarwood. Wyatt. She sounded his name out in that breathy, musical voice of hers. I've been keeping a close eye on you. Your expertise in security coding is rare. Unique. Thea paused and stepped even closer, reminding Wyatt of his encounter with Frey when she had pitched to him the opportunity of the circuit games. Why are you wasting your talent here? She gestured, indicating the office. When you could come and be working for me, securing and protecting some of the most advanced technology in the world. Thea was no fray. Wyatt stood his ground, refusing to back up a step despite Thea's uncomfortable closeness. Something about the woman's stance and speech struck a nerve within him. More than just deja vu. Something about Thea echoed danger, and not in the fun way. Though Wyatt's insides were on high alert outwardly, Wyatt remained calm and receptive. Who funds you? he asked gently careful to keep his tone, even despite the aggression of his heart. For the first time, Thea really smiled, showing a set of brilliant white teeth, the change in expression giving her a pretty youthful glow. We are military-based. At the word military, a fully-fledged siren rang through Wyatt's body. Help the military mess around in people's heads? He retorted. Hell no. Wyatt moved towards the door, not even waiting to see that pretty smile wiped from Thea's face. Before he could exit, she spoke again. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, Wyatt. Wyatt knew she was telling the truth. She would not offer again, 
would not come back for him. He could take this job offer and build a new life for himself just like the one he wanted, or he could walk out leaving Thea to eat her words, knowing what he was throwing away. The image of Lizzie flashed in Wyatt's mind and the pain of her loss made his shoulders ache with its weight. The military hadn't looked after his mother. They'd stolen her and buried the information. Like hell, he would sell his soul to the devil. Let me be clear, Wyatt said, his voice becoming firm and dominating, showing Thea that he was not fucking around. Take your offer and your letters and stick them where the sun don't shine, preferably in the women's bathroom. Having said his piece, Wyatt stormed out, tossing the letter in Thea's direction as he did so. been listening to episode 8 of Interface, the Creator's Champion. This series is a Red Empire production and a Sound Vision Gold Coast original production and has been written by Amy Casey, Ellie Popov, and Simon Kennedy. This series is produced by Amy Casey and Roberto Molini. Executive produced by myself, Charles Jazz Terrier, Ellie Popov, Steve Chickerel, Wade Boys, and Sherry hamrick Rewell. It is co-produced by Alex Contis and Tom Cramsey, Editing, sound design, and music is done by Roberto Molini and Tom Cramsey. Our production partners are the scandalous, but always effervescent, organic media group. And that theme song you keep hearing belongs to my co-host, Ellie Popov. As you return to your mundane little lives, listeners, my advice to you all is to keep track of our next episode drop. Future information about the series can be found at www.redempireproductions.com. And don't forget... To follow and subscribe to us via whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on. Join us again. Live beyond your understanding. Mark my words, I'll find the light.